we can edit this all out in post, right, Mike? I mean, we 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 can edit this part. And Not a anyway. chance we're editing this part out. Not a chance. <laughs> It's the H-Dog Pod with your host, Michael the Hound Dog Harrison. Hey, welcome to episode 69, the Mel Angelstadt edition of the podcast. Wait, who? That's right, I hadn't heard of him either. As you can imagine, there haven't been many athletes apart from football players to wear this number for uh, obvious reasons, which isn't nice. However, Angelstadt became the first NHL player to wear 69 when he debuted with the Washington Capitals in the 2003-04 season as a 33-year-old. He only ended up playing two games, registering zero points. He was, however, a pioneer in the game. How many players can say they wore a number originally? Undrafted Andrew Desjardins follows suit, and they're the only two to ever wear the number in the NHL, according to my calculations. Desjardins was five points shy of registering 69 points in 400 career games. Nice. What isn't nice is the heated debate I had with a friend recently and it's a pretty simple concept. I said that you cannot have multiple best friends. However, they claim you can have several. I said, that's ridiculous. If they're your best friend, it means they're your best friend. It should be a pretty simple concept, right? It's like, I can't have two favorite sports teams in the same sport. No, it's your favorite. It's, it's right in the definition of the word favorite, meaning top one, not top two or top 18 favorite teams. It's ludicrous. Of course, tons of people online didn't side with me on this one. It's because they're sheep and they don't want to have to pick who their best friend is. So they decided to have 134 best friends. It doesn't work that way. Best friend meaning top one. It's not that difficult, folks. My next guest is most definitely not my best friend, Bragg, but he's been a very good buddy since we met in high school two decades ago. I hadn't chatted with him in quite some time, so we caught up and reminisced about yesteryear and, of course, current events. Full disclosure... This episode was recorded after dark, so we may have enjoyed a wobbly pop or two as I had my favorite drink or my 37 different favorite drinks. So without further ado, let's get cracking. Okay, now welcome on a great friend of mine that I've known for 20 years, Derek Stashik. He's an unabashed Senators fan, lame, and is an all-sports fanatic, and we once had a couple of boxing matches back in my hometown of Arnprior in high school. Welcome to the H-Dog Pod, Derek. Super happy to be here. Long time listener. Not every episode, but I have been listening for a long time. I've been following your career from afar for a very long time. I'm very happy to be here. Thank you very much. So yeah, so you you don't listen to every episode? What's the deal with that? I'm offended and maybe you will no longer be on this podcast right away. <laughs> I hope to be a recurring guest, but yeah, no, I mean, I followed your early days. Um uh, you know, it's slightly embarrassed. I can't remember the name of your first iteration of this podcast, but the going for broke uh, podcast, with, yeah. With, with yeah. Going for broke, yeah, with two mom and scully. I, I was I was pretty uh I was pretty religious on that one. And then uh, you know, it, it, it just disbanded and then, you know, you you lost me. Mm. And now I've you're you know, you've you've been trying to trying to get me back uh these these last few years and I'm I'm slowly trying to trust you, but uh, I don't want to I don't want to get into it uh, too deep again and then get hurt again. So <laughs> yeah. here we are, and this is the first step. You probably shouldn't trust me. Uh, that, that, that's your first mistake to be to agree to be on this podcast. So, oh boy. But uh, yeah, <laughs> well, well, I, I mentioned that boxing uh, grudge matches. We'll get to that in a little bit because I was uh, obviously phenomenal in, uh, in high school. But first of all, I, I didn't really watch the NHL draft because uh, the Maple Leafs. 
that I like. Obviously, they didn't have a first round pick, so it's almost like once your team doesn't have a first round pick, especially when they're not, it's not a high pick. I almost feel like who who really cares? But I know the Senators, your Senators had a they had quite a few draft picks. So, what was your impression of what they did uh, at the draft? Uh, well, <laughs> short answer, long answer. I guess <laughs> the poor Sens. I mean, the what I'll say is. First, I'm gonna I'm gonna start at saying that I I trust the Ottawa Sanders drafting staff because uh, you know, however many years ago it was when there was uh, Brady Kachuk on the table and there was a guy named Philip Zadina. I was on the Zadina train. I was so upset and they didn't take that guy mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. they took Brady Kachuk instead. And now you know you got Philip Zadina's you know tearing not even tearing it up in the AHL and uh, Brady Kachuk is the best person that I have ever met in my life. I love the guy. He is. Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. I'm not, I'm not the best Keith. person you've ever met in your life. Well, the side tangent, uh, I have to cut, cut you off there. I'm not, I'm not the best person you've ever met in your life. Absolutely not. Okay. Okay. So why is Brady Kachuk the, the best person you've ever met before? Oh, by, and you know, I, I say, I say met, I haven't met the guy, but <laughs> he is a fantastic, I mean, he's going to be the next captain of the Argo Sanders. I, I, I love what he's done for the franchise so far. He's, he's just, he is uh, everything you want in, in a player uh, in the sport of hockey, really. Like he's, yeah. he is a smash mouth in your face. He'll, you know, fight anyone. He'll score goals. He'll, you know, stick up for anyone on his team. He's just, he's definitely captain material, but um I, I was not a believer uh, right off the hop. I was hoping they were going to take Zadina, and our staff took him. And since that pick, I decided, I'm like, well, maybe, maybe as someone that tunes into the draft like three weeks before it happens and then reads a bunch of websites, maybe I'm not an expert, and I'll just kind of you know trust the people who are getting paid for this sort of thing. So, so what did the senders that, do that, that makes you kind of weary? Like, was there something that they that they did that you may, maybe don't like initially? Yeah, well, and again, that's why I prefaced it with what I just said. I totally trust our staff. <laughs> but that being said, so the Sens went off the board with the 10th overall pick, Tyler Boucher. Um, I don't know. They were like, I, you know, it, it's the sort of typical, like, when the pick comes through, it's, the who right sort of thing that uh, that happened that that was kind of your i was watching with my dad and both of us were like huh because <laughs> like at, at that point like there was there's a little bit of rumblings of you know like the sense have some pretty good depth and goal um we don't have any like slam dunk like awesome kind of next gen goaltenders in their system but we have some we have like good depth we have some like you know good prospects but we don't have any of those, uh, you know, wow, like blue chip prospects and goals. So we were thinking we we're probably going to be taking Wallstead when he was, he was there at 10 dad and I, and we are obviously both very, very expert uh, draft analysts. <laughs> um, we were thinking that, you know, uh, they'll probably take goalie, like might as well. Like we have a pretty deep draft cupboard. You know, we've got a lot of good prospects in the system. And, you know, if you're going to gamble on a goalie in the first round, might as well, you know, draft like this where, there's no kind of consensus top 10 or anything like that. It's not a super deep draft. Mm-hmm. You might as well, you know, grab someone like that. But um, that, that didn't happen. We took Tyler Boucher, which, uh, I mean, he was definitely off board. Like some <laughs> some draft guys had him like 
you know, 90 some, like he was like third oh, round projected. Really? Yeah, so basically, basically you're the, the former Oakland Raiders, now Las Vegas Raiders uh, draft, uh, you know, every time it'd be like, wait, why did they draft Darius Hayward Bay that high? Like, so, or like Mike Mitchell, I think it was a safety years ago. So basically you're saying you're akin to the Las Vegas Raiders, the Ottawa Senators? I do not want to say that. Uh, that, that sounds horrible. <laughs> I would say that in a COVID year, Mike, uh, that a draft boards team to team are extremely different. Uh, there's a lot of a lot of variants. It's uh, this is your spin zone. Difficult here. to you, pin down. You're, yeah, you know, you're I'm really, spinning. I'm, you're really I'm working on your spin zones like, here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, at this point, I've been not a Sayers fan for a very long time and uh i've I've learned to spin things the best (laughs) i can so this draft is no different but i will say after you know figuring out who who tyler boucher was when they did draft him um you know the things i've read between you know draft guides or you know whatever else so like this guy i mean he's he's obviously he's uh you know, the, the son of a former NHLer, a goalie, but still an NHLer. Was oh, he the um, son of Brian Boucher? Yeah. Oh, no way. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Well, then not bad. Like, at least you have the, the, the bloodlines, like the Jays have, like with Guerrero and Bichette, right? You're, and Biggio. It's like, okay. And obviously it doesn't always That's work it. out, but, uh, you know, at yeah. least you have the bloodline there. Yeah. And, well, so, and the thing that, the thing that stood out to me last night is, um, I was watching the broadcast. I can't remember who it was, but somebody brought up on their phone, be like, I got this video from like Boucher. Like here's, here's his son like in the gym. And like, he was like showing off like what a, what a, wait, hold on a sec. Before I say this word, am I allowed to swear on this podcast? You absolutely can. I will either bleep it out or we'll, we'll replace the word with a a hilarious uh, dubbed word by my great editor, Grant Nabesy Roberts. He'll uh, replace it with a, uh, with, uh, uh, you know, shoot or sugar, or, you know, some word that's very similar to the actual swear word. Okay, so so the videos that uh, that he showed and that I have watched since then is showing Tyler Boucher being a brick shoot house, <laughs> I guess is what I'll say, or a, 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 a brick poop house. <laughs> you could have sworn I'm saying we would replace him. Oh, that's uh, that's, that's almost even better. <laughs> well, I, I love that. I, I don't want to make any work for for your poor editor, <laughs> so that, that's why I preface it with that. I and mean, we we. We we can edit this all out in post, right, Mike? I mean, we 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 can edit this part. And Not a anyway. chance we're editing this part out. Not a chance. <laughs> anyway, so uh, seeing this guy like he and like keeping in mind that these you know he's like eighteen, like this guy is absolutely jacked. And I've like been been reading like interviews from because they interview like people like in like these leagues, like the league that he played in. Um, he had an injury this year, so he only played, I think it's like, I don't know, 15 games or something like that. He, he had an injury. So, but from, from everything that you know, I've read and I've seen is that he basically, he's just a big bully. And like every, and like Bob McKenzie actually put out, like he tweeted, it's like everything I've like people that I've talked to, they've said, he's not Tom Wilson, but so he's, he's like the Tom Wilson type guy. He's just a, an asshole. Mm-hmm. And uh, he'll run you through the boards. He's, you know, a bit of a bully out there. Um, and he, like, he really takes pleasure in, in just absolutely, like, making guys vertical, like, just smoking them. So, I mean, it's a guy that, 
apparently is pretty underrated in his skill. And that's like part and partial to the fact that COVID has happened. So no one's really been able to get out and see him. And also, um, you know, just that, like he has injuries and stuff like that. So I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to remain positive. Um, I, there was one interview of like someone that had played against him, uh, an unnamed source, I guess they would, you, you'd say, but saying like he was uh, someone like they'd circle along the calendar, like when they're coming to play him, because they like nobody likes playing against him. He's one of the hardest guys to play against. So like that's kind of like you know DJ Smith is, has kind of outlined the types of players that he wants to see in the system, um, and like you know Brady Kachuk apparently on on Twitter had tweeted DJ Smith saying like, this sounds like one of our guys. It's like, you know, it, it, it's that kind of mentality that the Ottawa standards kind of want to uh, be, be bullies, I guess, and sure. kind of almost swing it that way. Like we've seen the NHL, right. The past however many years that, you know, we've gone from uh, you know, the ducks of old where, you know, they're bullies, like big, big guys are going to knock you around and then we've gone back to, you know, smaller undersized guys are going to win it for you. And I feel like the Sens are kind of Pierre Dorian and Pierre Maguire now. Yes. Uh, they, they, they're, uh, they're, they're wanting to kind of maybe turn that trend back the other way where, um, you know, they're, they're hoping to kind of forge their own path here and be like, this is going to be what's going to win it for us in the future is just a team of raging assholes that nobody wants to play against. Sure. And just going to like, you know, they, every time they're, they're like, Oh, Ottawa again. Like they just want to, that seems to be the team they want to build. And they've like drafted the past few years anyway. Like it seems like every single guy, it's like, Oh yeah, this guy's got grit. This guy, he might not score you a whole bunch of goals, but he is going to get under the skin of the opposing team. And it's like that it's been like a, every single draft pick we've had in the last couple of years. So whether they're just kind of throwing something again, like throwing every single pick like that against a wall and team with sticks, and hopefully they have a few of those guys. That seems to be the, the direction they're trending. And I mean, with this draft, <laughs> it's like every single pick that Sens had, and we, we had a decent amount. We had, I can't remember if it was two or three second round picks, but we, we had, uh, you know, more than your average team as far as draft picks. But, like, the average size, I was reading earlier today, the average size of the guy that we drafted this year was, like, 6'2", hmm. and, like, 196 pounds. And, like, they're, like, 18 years old. Hmm. It's, like, unreal. Like, Mike, how, how much did you weigh at 18? Like, well, I was going to say, like, uh, they basically are like you when you were in high school, pretty much, right? You were, what, like six, I don't know, what, six, two, six, three or something like that in high school and a behemoth and big hands. And uh, what were you, like 200 and some pounds? I was probably, unfortunately, quite a few LBs less than I am now, uh, probably around <laughs> 160 or something like that then. Eh, yeah, more yeah, now, unfortunately. Yeah, you you probably like buck sixty, buck seventy soaking wet probably is, yeah. is what you're weighing in at 18. Mm. Yep. Me uh, and like at 18 though, like I, so I, I was like the same height, like all through high school, I was like six, three, six, four, whatever it was. But like, I went through between like grade 11, grade 12, like I think grade 11, I was like 180. And then like grade 12, I was like 220. Like I, I, I thought I had a tumor. I gained like 40 pounds <laughs> in that summer, like between no. like grade 11 and grade 12. 
And then, like, of course, like, they come back and, like, the coaches, like, you know, I play basketball or whatever. And the coaches are just, like, licking their lips. They're like, oh, Derek grew up. And Derek can obviously <laughs> dunk a basketball. You know, uh, we'll, I'll get, we'll get to that in a little bit because I want to talk about that. But uh, uh, still sticking with, uh, sticking with the send stuff, a couple of things I want to ask you. One, uh, you, you did mention Pierre Maguire. I know a lot of people on Twitter were, like, losing their minds, so upset that uh, Maguire went to Ottawa. I'm like... I always thought it was interesting. Like I always loved Mike Mayock for uh, the NFL Network when he'd uh, do use the, the the draft uh, expert every year, and then and now he went to the Raiders. Speaking of the Raiders earlier, now he's the GM for them, and it's pretty cool. I thought, and now it's like Pierre Maguire is now in management. It's, it's, I think it's cool, but like he clearly has passion for the game. He's been around the game forever, yet everyone is like so mad they signed him. It's like. It's not like you're. Who knows if you if you if you bring in a guy, he might be good, he might be bad. You have no idea, of course. At least you know this guy has been around the game for a bazillion years. So it's just interesting to me that so many people are so mad about it. Are you mad about Pierre Maguire going to Ottawa? I am no, not at all. Like so, coming from Ottawa, I mean, like we obviously we have our ownership issues where they don't want to pay anyone to do anything. So we've got like a razor thin staff. So like hearing that. Pierre McGuire got hired on. I was very excited. And like, I don't know, excited might be the wrong word. But I was I was uh, happy that we had someone that wasn't Pierre Dorian <laughs> trying to evaluate talent. Because like, Pierre Dorian's great. He came up like from a scouting background. Uh, you know, our GM, he's, 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 he's got a proven track record as far as, you know, drafting. But on the professional end, like we just, we just don't be like we we can't really seem to evaluate professional talent. Uh, like the the past few kind of uh, free agent uh, classes that we've brought in have not come to fruition at all. Like it's it seems like we're overpaying for guys, or like we bring someone in and then they're there, they they're forced in the lineup for the first month or so. And it's like, oh, yeah, turns out this guy can't play in the NHL anymore. Darn it, we should have seen that. Uh, and now you get to be replaced by a rookie that was playing in the AHL sort of thing. That, that's been like the last few years. Like We just have no professional talent um, uh, scouts that seem to know what they're doing, in my opinion. I'm sure they all do very good work, but... What's uh, what, what I've seen and what's kind of transpired in Ottawa the past few years, it, it, it really hasn't added up. So Pierre Maguire, I mean, he obviously has a wealth of knowledge um, and a ton of contacts, which if we're kind of if, if we're being honest, like what's happened so far in free agency this year, I was kind of hoping Ottawa would be a little bit more active just because, you know, Pierre Maguire knows everyone in the league and who knows, maybe they all hate him. I don't know, but I was kind of thinking, I'm like, you know, this guy, he's, he's coming in, he's going to be able to get us the inside track on some of these free agents, um, you know, know like a little bit more what's kind of going on. So we'd be able to get some of these guys coming in. Like we're obviously looking for a, for a center and for like a, a good kind of top four defenseman. Those are kind of like what we need to have like our checklist this year. So bringing Pierre Maguire in, I think, is part and parcel like what we want to see. Absolutely. having like those players come in and it hasn't come out yet. But again, that could be the fact that, uh, you know, we don't have that much of a staff. So they were just super focused in the draft. <laughs> now, now the draft's over, hopefully they're going to get down to business and then, 
get us a get us a center and a top four D. But uh, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see in the next little bit. But I am happy that Pierre Maguire is there. If 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 not for anything else, that you know he'll be able to tell us like you know where the guy played junior B hockey. <laughs> no, absolutely. Hey, he's he, like you said. He's a wealth of knowledge. The other thing I want. I was saying there was two things I wanted to bring up. The other one was you said. Uh, a plethora, good word of times through this uh, interview. We, 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 our, our, our. Why do you feel you're part of the team, even though you're not part of the team? That to say that we, like we, as as if you're a member of the Ottawa Senators. Well, Mike, that's a great question. Uh, a lot of people will give a lot of people spit about that. <laughs> <laughs> to, to me, I feel is you know if if you've gone through. What I would have a problem with is someone saying that where, you know, they're, they're a fair weather fan. They haven't really gone through the trials and tribulations, right? Mm-hmm. Like a, a Leaf fan, per se, where you guys have absolutely been put through the ringer mm-hmm. on like in every kind of way. Poor <laughs> assholes. Um, <clears throat> sorry. No, uh, you're not no, sorry. Wait, Don't wait, say sorry. But, you're not sorry holes. in any way, shape or form. Oh, oh, oh that's why you're sorry. I, I got you. Got you. <laughs> Yeah, so it, it just to me it's uh, it's almost like a badge of honor. Like if you've been through a, some kind of a heartbreak, you're you're allowed you're allowed to say the we and the us and right. the <laughs> like that, that. That's just my personal opinion. Also, uh, uh, as kind of a slam dunk on that, if you've skated on the ice of your team's you know rink. I think that that gives you one more sort of thing, even if you haven't uh, done the trials and tribulations thing. Well, clearly, obviously, you're just bragging. You're, you're, you know, you wanted me to say to you, oh, so you skated in the ice of the Ottawa Senators? Like, that was, that was your, you know, oh, obvious thing. Absolutely. I high five Spartacat. I got an autograph from Patrick Traverse. <laughs> I did the whole thing. Patrick Traverse, what a veteran. So, yeah, obviously, that was many years ago. What, how'd that come about? What was that all about? I I can't I don't know if it was a raffle or what it was. I think like because uh, we had like a season ticket package, but like a very it was like a eight game or twelve game season ticket package, whatever it was. So I think uh, whether it was like they gave it out to all of them or it was you put your name in a raffle or whatever. But uh, yeah, I think it was like grade six, grade seven. I can't remember what it was. But uh, yeah, we got to it was me, me, dad, mom, and my sister. We all got. Uh, Got to throw on the skates, and uh, at that time, I think it was the Corral Center. Got to go on the Corral Center ice, and, uh, rip around, and get our picture with Spartacat. They had a bunch of that's pretty sweet, bunch of sense players signing autographs and all that. It was a it was a great day. Yeah, that that, that definitely sounds pretty pretty damn damn amazing. Uh, well, you did you did you did reference a little bit. I said we'll get to it in a bit. Uh, obviously. Dunking in basketball, you were, uh, as we said, a behemoth when you were like 6'4", six, 6'5", six, or whatever in high school. How, how did it feel to be basically bigger than everyone else and better than, than everyone else in basketball? Because I can imagine high school being that uh, big and have, like I said, massive hands. must have just been pretty sweet to be able to jam a, a basketball. <laughs> okay, so you, you said a couple different things there. So how would it feel to be bigger? I mean, that's uh, just what it is. I mean, I'm... I've always been a, a large individual. Better, I would disagree with you there. <laughs> there are a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of better basketball players than I was in in Renfrew County. Um, 
but uh, yeah, as far as being bigger, it's uh, that's, that's the thing. Is that, that's what Dad always told me, and whatever sport I played in. So like, you know, you've got one thing that you can't teach and that's size mm-hmm. <laughs> and God bless my size. Because if I didn't have my size, then there's no way I would have been any good at any sports. Cause I just kind of in basketball, just plunk myself down the post. I wait for a, a greater athlete to get me the ball. Like, uh, Spiros who has been on this podcast before, I believe mm-hmm. fan favorite. Uh, you know, he just, he or, you know, Costa, who hasn't been on the pod yet, I don't Ooh, believe, will uh, get him on soon. Ooh, I don't know. If, I'm not sure, but I'm not so sure about that, actually. But, yeah. <laughs> Yikes. I, I, I'd rely on one of those guys to, to get me the ball first. And then I'd, you know, at that point, then the size just takes over. I just, i turn around. i try my best not to travel. I would turn around. I would throw the basketball as close as I could to the hoop. And uh, if it didn't go in, then I would hope one of those better athletes got the rebound, put it in for me. Hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, that. Uh, I, I remember, <laughs> I remember, I, I'm trying to remember, I think it was grade seven, I really, really got into basketball for a couple of years there, I, you know, I hated Michael Jordan, but I loved watching basketball, and, you know, I, I played, like, constantly practiced all, all, so much, and I remember I also tried to make the basketball team, but the stupid me, I don't think I've ever said this uh, story on the podcast, but I, I truly don't understand what I was thinking in grade seven, I uh, went to the basketball tryouts and I used my winter boots uh, for the tryout as opposed to actual <laughs> shoes. I don't quite understand. So I remember the teachers being like, or the coaches, I guess, being like, uh, "No, you're you can't you can't try out in winter boots." Obviously, I couldn't try out winter boots. What the hell was I thinking? I don't know. So, yeah, unfortunately, otherwise, obviously, I would have made the team. So, uh, and maybe I would have been better than you, and you wouldn't, you'd, you know. <laughs> No one would have even have known about you because I would have, uh, you know, overshadowed your career. So uh, I guess what I'm trying to say is um, you should be thankful that I, ha- I wore those winter boots that fateful day. I am so thankful. And uh, <laughs> you saying your winter boots just sparked a memory. Uh, so it turns out those, those must have been like your athletic shoes, though, because like I remember going out to the rink, like the outdoor rink in our prior, and uh, everyone shows up in skates. And old Mikey Harrison shows up in his big old winter boots, and he's just like chugging along on the ice. You know, I and was pretty good. <laughs> Mike, Mike, Mike's leading the rush, and he's looking okay until he has to stop. Just <laughs> <laughs> slides into the board, <laughs> and everyone else on skate. It was a little bit of an unfair advantage <laughs> uh, for the rest of us. We all should have been in winter boots. We should have followed your feet, Mike. Yeah, I was. Uh, that's what they called me, No Skates Harrison, back in the day. But you know, I wouldn't change a thing because, uh, yeah, I, I, I loved uh, being No Skates Harrison. You know, I, I, I remember years ago, uh, you know, a buddy being like, "Hey, No Skates Harrison!" Like, it was like a decade later, and I'm like, "Oh my god, I'd actually forgotten all about uh, you know the fact that, that was my nickname." But uh, yeah, No Skates Harrison, that was definitely a thing. So, um, but uh, back to just, just quickly, but uh, before the NHL draft, the actual uh, NHL expansion draft. Uh, the Seattle Kraken uh, picked a, a couple players. How disappointed were you that they basically? It seemed to me they went pretty conservative in terms of you know they didn't they didn't pick Carey Price, they didn't pick Vladimir Tarasenko, they didn't go for Gabriel Landeskog. It's just like it's just it's just too bad, right? It's like it would have been cool if they if they'd have drafted those uh, those type of players. Yeah, and I mean, 
obviously is like a, a fan, like not of them, but you know, just a fan of the league in general, you're kind of hoping for like a weird, like, like fireworks, right? You're like, okay, we want to ruffle some feathers or at least have like a bunch of trades going on. Like, okay, like don't take carry price, but we'll give you this and this and this. And you're expecting for all these, you know, uh, side deals mm-hmm. to kind of come to fruition. That's what Vegas did a yeah. couple years ago, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly like Vegas. And I mean, they took advantage of the system. It was the first time they really happened in the modern era. And Vegas uh, kind of came to play. And they did everything that they needed to do. But I mean, <laughs> it's Seattle. Like, the, the best that I can assume what happened with like Ronnie Francis was <laughs> he called everyone and said, like, okay, we're going to take this guy unless you tell us different and you want to give us a draft pick. And they're like, Oh no, no, that's way too high. He's like, okay, call me if you change your mind. And they, nobody ever called up. Well, the, <laughs> the reason they probably guy. didn't do that was because when Ron Francis w- was with Carolina and it turned out some of his picks were really good. Cause obviously Carolina's a very good team. Now after he left as a GM for them, he never made an NHL trade in like, I think it was like three or four years. He never once made a tra- player for player trade in the NHL for three, four years, but when he was the GM for them, for the Hurricanes. So I'm sure the GMs this time around, especially, of course, knowing what happened with Las Vegas years ago, they were like, you know, a little weary of like basically per- perhaps gifting a team uh, a chance to the cup final like Vegas did. They're probably like, you know what? This guy didn't do anything years ago. So why would he's not going to make any trades now? So they basically, they, they probably just waited him out. And then he did nothing. Yeah, absolutely nothing. And it was, and it was interesting too because you had uh, like Brinkster Valley basically like leaking every single trade, every single pick before. before it's just so disappointing. Like, I wonder. I wish they wouldn't uh, allow those uh, tr- picks to be uh, leaked. I know. It reminded me of uh, oh, I can't remember the. Oh, it was uh, Dunk. Uh, I can't remember his first name, but the guy in the CFL where there was like a year or two who was like the, the CFL draft. He was like the leaking every pick, like a good two minutes before it actually happened. And it was like, Oh, you're taking all the suspense out of it. But, um, but yeah, like, so it's like Sarah Valley's leaking all these picks and you're thinking like, Oh, you're like, you're seeing the picks. You're like, Oh, like he's like, they're going to take like this guy. Like, why would he do that? Oh, and they must have a side deal in place. And there were zero side deals, but no one knew the rules, right? Like, so you're, you're expecting it to come out. But they're saying, like, you know, by the time the draft came around, they're like, no, all all side deals had to be approved by this time, this date. So, uh, yeah, you're you're kind of, like, left sitting there being like, okay, well, so I guess that's their team? Man, they're going to be worse than the, the 92, 93 Ottawa Senators. Well, that, that team was uh, legendary. Uh, Dennis Vial and all those guys. Sylvain Turgeon, I'm not sure if they were the initial team, but they probably were, uh, uh, you know, the, 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 yeah, those goalies. The player, Darren Madley, Craig Billington, Peter Shadorkowicz, there's some amazing players on that team. But I just hope that people don't, if somehow Seattle is able to make some crazy run, like Vegas did their first year all the way to the cup final, People don't have revisionist history because just like with Vegas, now that, you know, once they went to the cup final, everyone was like, oh, the NHL gifted them an amazing team to go to the final, blah, 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 blah. No, 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 no. Revisionist history. When the, when the, the Vegas team was selected, especially the, uh, the, the, the defenseman, 
Everyone's like, oh my God, this, this defensive core is so bad. They're going to be brutal. Everyone thought Fleury was basically done uh, from Pittsburgh. They're like, you know, William Carlson was on his like third, fourth team. You know, there wasn't like this slam dunk. Oh, they're gonna be, they have so many great players. No, no, no. That was absolutely not true. At the time, everyone thought the Vegas team was terrible. They made the final. And now a lot of people are now like, oh, that, you know, that team was so good. No, 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 no. That's complete trash. So if somehow Seattle makes the final or goes far, I hope people don't, you know, same thing, think, oh, no, like this. No. The Seattle team's garbage. Look at them. They don't look good, except for a couple guys, of course. They don't look very good. But oh. I have a feeling people, you know, revisionist uh, history, they'll be like, oh, no, this team was really good. No, they weren't. They're, they're not good. Look at them. Oh, they're horrible. Like they're, they're yeah. I mean, like the, the the Vegas team when it came, when it came out and you had the roster, like ah, hey, you know what? I mean, there's some guys there. off chance maybe they're a playoff team. Like these guys, holy hell! Like if if, if they would have picked the like the players that were available, like your your Landis Gogs, your Tarasenko's, uh, your prices. Like I mean, obviously they're a playoff team, but like <laughs> they, they picked they picked a lot of no names. Like, like zero closest. I mean, you yeah, got maybe three, three or four household names. So, so, who was, so uh, correct me if I'm wrong here. I think it, instead of Tarasenko, it was Vince Dunn. Instead of Landis yeah. Gaga, it was Eunice John, Donskoy. Instead of Price, it was mm-hmm. Caden Fleury. Uh, it's, just, yep. or, it's just like, what? Like, if, if you're a casual fan anyway, you'd be like, wait, who? What? Right? Like, it's just like, go, go balls to the walls, man. Just bring in, bring in all these awesome guys that are name players. I understand they might not want to do that because of the, the money and stuff like that, but. That would have been so cool if they brought in, like, you know, all those guys, plus the couple of guys they did bring in, like Jordan Emberley, um, Mark Giordano. That would have been a really fun team to watch. Now it's just, like, there's not a ton to really be excited about. Yeah, and, like, even if they, if the plan isn't to keep them there, you bring them in for the first hour, like, you get some excitement around the team, and then you dump everyone at the trade deadline. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, why not? And then, and then the, like, your rebuild starts in earnest – next year when you have like five first round draft picks yeah man that would have been so so cool uh, by the way uh i don't know if you don't know if you remember we're talking about of course the vegas gold knights there for a little bit do you remember uh, and i wrote in a lot of people's yearbooks in high school speaking of that that i wrote that vegas would get a hockey team one d one day and i uh, do you remember the team that i said the the team name would be i i predicted i was the nostrahound dogmas <laughs> you you did predict it and this is back in what 90 or no 2002 2003 mike harrison predicted that the nhl would be moving to vegas Mm -hmm. and that the team name would be the las vegas worm but worm was spelled with a u (laughs) w u r m (laughs) yeah uh i guess yeah dennis Rodman, the worm yeah i guess uh, you know i I thought that that might be the inspiration but yes i was uh, no no one else no one in the history of the world thought that vegas would have an nhl team i called it so i'm pretty proud of it you totally called it and you know what for your for your good listeners i could probably dig out a yearbook well you know we're not now we're halfway through packing but when we move into our new place i can dig out that yearbook i'll take a picture and put it on your whatever page (laughs) not to get too inside uh sports with this stuff but uh, in high school of course uh, we already mentioned the fact that you were, you know, uh, six foot four or whatever you said, two twenty behemoth, and I was, you know, around six feet, uh, one sixty or one seventy, where the hell it was. We took part in a couple of boxing matches that were pretty epic that I referenced off the top of this podcast, uh, and we did two of them. We were going to do the third one. When are we going to do the third one? So, the, uh, if memory serves me right, we called them the 
the Fire and Iron Prior was the first uh, um, boxing match name, which is pretty sweet. The second one was the Barrage in the Garage, which uh, you literally destroyed my kidney with in the first round. And there was, a, there was probably like 40 people there in the garage, le like legitimately. And I was like, I can't let everyone down. But I was dying after that first round. I was just so stem sore. We didn't do this. gamer. Uh, I, I definitely, uh, you know, tough to do, like a good Canadian boy. Uh, didn't do the, we didn't do the static in the attic, the third uh, boxing match. When is it going to, uh, is that going to happen? Well, okay. So first of all, how, how much do your listeners know about these boxing matches? Has that, you've already gone over them. I actually honestly think we might, I might not have ever brought it up or maybe I did it once, but it, it's certainly not a thing I've talked about much. Because I know you, I know you went over it in the first iteration of your podcast, but I don't know if you've done it on this one yet. But I don't think we I have. just like to to kind of set the stage of sure. like what had happened. So you know, we we had just goofing around with stupid boxing mitts in the basement or whatever, and it was uh, it was fun. It was it was a good time. Um, <clears throat> and then you know the the legend grew a little bit. And I, I don't know for arm prayer anyway. So arm prayer was always a little bit behind the times, um, as far as uh, technology and everything else. But I feel as though our boxing match when we did the barrage in the garage. So it was, you know, we basically just showed up in someone's garage. We had like a bunch of friends come over, and then Mike and I put on like a play fight. And we both we love each other, so it wasn't anything malicious. We just kind of like dance around. Mike might have taken a little bit more seriously than the, than I did. Yeah. I was but, forty pounds lighter. Sorry, yeah, lighter. So I, I had to take it more seriously. Yeah, you, you had to take it seriously for your health. <laughs> you wanted to make sure you weren't going to get killed. Um, so, you know, we we had a whole bunch of friends come over, and uh, it was just just a good time. But we we actually had someone videotape it mm -hmm. uh, on an old VHS. And, <laughs> That videotape in Arm Prior, anyway, was probably like one of the first viral videos that, like, in VHS form. Because you had, and I mean, some of your listener, listeners uh, know what we're talking about, but, um, you know, you, you got your spare uh, in high school where, you know, nobody's got class. And everyone else would also rec or remember, uh, you know, if you've got like a, uh, a movie going on in class you've got like the huge cart the giant tv with the vhs underneath voyage and, like, of the mimi voyage of the mimi was so so good, so good. remember voyage of the mimi with that ben, <laughs> ben affleck's like, first thing we had, we had uh basically everyone on their spare would go and grab like the cart from the science department or whoever wherever you could find a cart with the vhs thing they'd wheeled into an empty classroom and everyone would just watch the barrage in the garage on their that. spare. So and funny. they were like, oh, have you seen this? Like, oh, no, I haven't seen it yet. And then somebody else would grab it. We have <laughs> a whole other audience. And the legend just grew and grew and grew. But we never had that. We never had that third uh, that third super fight. I know. Well, that's what I'm saying. The, the st Again, the, the boxing match names were incredible. So the static in the attic would be you know, that just would obviously dwarf any, you know, you know, Floyd Mayweather, Conor McGregor fights, anything, you know, where they, they try to be like better. That would obviously, if the two of us were to fight, clearly that'd be the big, you know, we should be making $50, $50 million a, a match is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if we could do it with, uh, 
I don't know. Like in an attic seems risky. Like I, I've been racking my brain trying because, like, obviously you're living in your lavish Toronto condo. I'm, I've been racking my brain trying to figure out like a name that Ryan, like a the something in the condo. But it's I, hard. I can't figure I, out anything I malicious. Know. Same. Yeah. Con- I, I, I've also been trying to think of uh, a name with condo, and it's it's, it's not easy. It re- I, I love nope. coming up with those stuff, but I I can't as well. Can't do it. Yeah, it, it it's definitely tough. And like, but you know what? I I would like recently so. In Armprior, um, so like my new house that I'm moving into, it's it's very near the Grove, which for your good listeners, it's a, just a big forest in Armprior. Mm-hmm. So I've been trying to think like if we somehow shifted the fight to Armprior, to my new house, then like that opens up a new avenue of, you know, super fight names. The Rove so like in the Grove? I'm, I'm trying the to get something in the forest, the <laughs> something in the trees, the something in the Grove. I was, I I was thinking Rove in the Grove. Uh, maybe it might be one trees. Hmm. No, there's definitely more. Uh, I think options in terms of. Uh, I'm sure I'll think of uh, something in the next few minutes. I love uh, yeah, like, the, like the, the 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 bush. I don't know something like the the mush in the bush. The I don't push. Know. The push in the we, bush. <laughs> we 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 got to figure it push. out. I want to bring up the fact that I'm assuming. Uh, well, first of all, I'm assuming you were cheering for the Habs when they went to the Stanley Cup final. But the reason I want to bring that up is because as a diehard centers fan that you are, if somehow the Maple Leafs had made the final, we have some mutual friends who were on this podcast before who might not be the smartest people because they're clowns who said that they, <laughs> you got to cheer because they're Sens fans. You got to cheer for Toronto or whoever it is in the final because they're a Canadian team, which is the dumbest thing of all time. If the Maple Leafs had made the cup final somehow, which <laughs> I know they probably wouldn't have, but if somehow they <laughs> did make the cup final, would as a Sens fan, would you cheer for Toronto because of their Canadian team? There is zero chance that I would ever cheer for the Toronto Maple Leafs. I mean, so w- what happened this year when the Habs faced the Leafs? I had to cheer for the Habs against the Leafs, of course, which like really hurt me. It sucked. But it was a lesser of two evils. Mm-hmm. But like, like I was kind of saying before, like with the whole we and our and whatever, like when you're talking about your team, um, <laughs> I just hate the least so goddamn much. Mm-hmm. Being through all that pain early in my early in my childhood, when you guys were beating us left, right, and center in the playoffs, it hurts a lot. And remember? I would never want any kind of joy. For any kind of Leaf fan. Of course, and, and I, I respect <laughs> yeah. the hell out of you. For I, that. I, 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 was, I was telling you about this earlier, but um, uh, we went to a wedding recently where uh, the, the groom, who I'm good friends with, diehard Leaf fan. Um, <laughs> it was, he was sending out the invites. You know, he's sending out the, uh, you know, what do you want, your steak or fish or whatever, uh, your, your SVPs beforehand. And it was just around, around the time when the Leafs were getting eliminated by the Habs. So uh, there was a part in there to ask for like dietary restrictions. And I told him, I, I typed in there, said, uh, dietary restriction, I require all of my meat to be boiled in the tears of Leaf fans. <laughs> and he did, didn't appreciate it too, too much, uh, especially because he got like the night that they got eliminated or the night after. So it was still a little bit raw. Might have been too soon. No. But, uh, okay. yeah, I don't know. That's just kind of the sentiment uh, that I have. I mean, you, you go through the, the, the pain and, like, that a, a fan base 
inflicting that pain on you. He just, it doesn't go away. I remember that uh, game seven when the Leafs beat the Sens and Laleem let in those uh, beach ball goals. I remember after the second one going out back, I like took my like fiberglass Sherwood and I just like wrapped it around a basketball net out back. And like dad and I were watching the game. And after that one, it was pretty much over. And I just remember like going out back and I had a hockey stick out back and I picked it up and I just wrapped it around the friggin' basketball pole. And I got like a huge like fiberglass sliver like in my hand. Like I just, it was just, and that just sticks with you. So I don't know. For me, I mean, I'm sure there are some fans out there that they can kind of put that aside and say, you know what, uh, you know, as long as Canada brings it home, I'm no. happy. I'd rather see it in Canada than uh, some American fan base. But Those for me, I do not want any other Canadian fan base having joy before I have joy. And I am, I'm a selfish person, <laughs> but uh, I'd like to think I'm in the majority. No, uh, I, I, you're totally, uh, I hope that you're in the yeah, majority of that. Cause yeah, it is ridiculous. That I, I, I Personally, I don't mind, like, say, the Flames are to win or Winnipeg. I'm fine with that because they're, they're not a direct rival to, to Toronto. But, yeah, any Leaf fan who was, who was cheering for Montreal, oh, their Canadian team, is just the absolute dumbest thing going. I just don't, I don't understand. Like, again, they're your bitter rivals. And they beat you when you were up 3-1. So why would you want the fans who already have so much over you to then be able to like be like, oh, we crushed you when you were when you were up three one. Then we won the cup. Like they'd have so much. They already have enough to to beat you over. So I don't quite understand that. It just seems weird to be. By the way, but back to the the Leaf sends from the early two thousands. I remember a mutual friend of ours in high school, Mark McHale, um, gave me. We had, we had a bet, and it was the that because uh, uh, Ottawa had swept Toronto in the regular season. So the bet that we had him and I had uh, made. I, I might have just been like a meal at Jim's restaurant or something like that. It wasn't a, like a money thing. But he's like, Ottawa will sweep Toronto in four games. And he picked that, and he didn't pick any other scenario. If Ottawa had even had even won five games, it wouldn't have mattered. I still would have won the bet. And that's <laughs> when Toronto swept Ottawa in four games, which was the funniest thing because they crushed Toronto that regular season. And then Toronto somehow swept them, which is obviously, to me, amazing. So, yes, I totally understand. As a Sens fan, why the hell would you ever want uh, Leafs or whatever to, to be? No, you don't. But it's amazing how many fans want a Canadian team, even though you know it's your bitter rival. They're oh, we want them to win. No, you're you're dumb. You're dumb. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, on on the on the topic of high school bets, I remember I can't remember which round it was or which year it was, but I do remember that one of those years. I think it was Big Rob McLaren. And I had a bet, and I had to wear a Leaf jersey at school after the Leafs beat the Sens out. And that was one of the worst days of my life. Oh, boy. I can only imagine. That would be absolutely terrible for sure. Um, obviously, your family owns, by the way, just uh, but we'll wrap this up here shortly. But uh, in our prior great store, that uh, sports zone where you get some uh, amazing gear. Uh, tell us about that. And also, I loved a sports zone back in the day because – at the time, the Seahawks were a nothing football team and no one cared about for whatever reason. I, I got into them. They had a Sean Alexander jersey, which is amazing. I still have that jersey now, which is it's almost like a, a badge of honor to wear that one because it's almost like, yeah, no, I, I liked him 20 years ago as opposed to some uh, fair-weathered fans, which were like, oh, we only love this team when they're lost, you know, last five years. No, no, no. I've been a diehard forever, speaking of being a diehard fan. 
Sports Zone. Tell us all about that. And also, uh, because Sports Zone could have maybe made more sales with the Leafs winning the Cup, for example, would you have wanted the Leafs? To, was there a sliver of you that wanted the Leafs to be win the Cup just so you can get more sales? Well, first of all, Sports Zone and Armprior, uh, three seventy-five Daniel Street South. It's uh, an amazing kind of mom and pop shop, and they have uh, tons of tons of great quality uh, team wear, as well as footwear and all sorts of stuff. So check them out for the listeners. But uh, yeah, they're uh, my my dad uh, Larry Stashik and his brother Brian Stashik. They open it up. Back when the Sens were coming to town, back in uh, 91, 92, um, you know, they thought there was some money to be had there. They both work at the grocery store, Metro. Uh, this is kind of like a side project for them. And, you know, it's just something that keep them, keep them busy. And, uh, you know, it's it turned into something great for them. So uh, we've been around since, you know, 91, 92. I worked there all basically from grade seven right until uh, after university anyway. So, it's a uh, it's a great spot in the Empire Mall, but um, yeah, they uh, um, as far as uh, selling you the Sean Alexander jersey, you know they 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 try to cater or in the past anyway they try to cater to sort of all fan bases, uh, Seahawks included, even though you're probably one of maybe three Seahawks fans in the Ottawa Valley, <laughs> but exactly. uh, yeah, no that. Uh, it's uh it's definitely uh it, it, it as far as uh, like you know the Leafs uh, doing well and like all the money it would have brought to to uh to sports zone um i think i speak for myself and my father and my uncle brian and the rest of the sports zone crew and i'll say that uh, we don't give a shoot about <laughs> the Leafs winning uh the the money that they would bring in would be blood money and we do not want it right uh, Fair, fair. <laughs> as, as as bold as that is being, um, we might lose some uh, some customers. That uh, I respect all, it, man. all of our customers that listen to this podcast. We might lose some, but uh, I hope they appreciate my honesty. I respect and, uh, and so my much. passion as a sense man. Yeah, I, like I said, I respect it so much. People, for some reason, they're, they, they they I guess they don't have like a they have a one track mind or something, or they don't have like a, a, a thought of their own or something. I'm not exactly sure what it is, but uh, they're just basically like, no, no, you got to like them because they're, they're a Canadian team, which just doesn't make any sense to me. I just don't get it. This, it's just, it's just the weirdest thing. Uh, yeah. So this has been uh, obviously a blast. Uh, okay. Well, that's, I was wondering there, to be honest with you, I'm like, you know, I, I made, I made my remark. I was talking to Derek, which has obviously been a fantastic phone call here for the podcast. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's pretty good. And then, you know, I, I, I left a beat there to be for him to respond. And all of a sudden, he didn't say anything. I'm like, this is not awkward, but kind of interesting. I expected him to chime in with some other remark because he's had a lot of great comments to make on this podcast, of course, so far. And I'm like, okay, he's going to say something here. And then two seconds later, okay, awkward silence. I guess I'm going to have to, you know, say something there. And then he said nothing. And then, ooh. I guess that's why, because uh, for some reason, the phone call was dropped. And maybe he had enough of me. Maybe Derek was like, you know what? Uh, enough of this Lee fan. Enough, enough of the Seahawks fan. I don't want to talk to him anymore. It's done. You know, I, I, I paid my dues to be in this podcast as long as I, I did. And screw this guy. I don't want to be part of it anymore. Maybe, like I said, he's like, you know what? Screw this guy. We'll find out.
in yellow. Wow, I truly thought that maybe uh, perhaps you're just like, you know what? I've had enough of this guy. I don't want to talk to him anymore. So I figured that, you know, you're like, you know what? Ah, I'm just done. Like, I, let me and accidentally hang up on purpose. You know, I thought that might have been what, what happened there. No, not at all. And then you called me back and then you hung up on me. I'm like, oh, that was just payback for me apparently hanging up on him. He just wants to become the alpha of the conversation again. <laughs> oh man it's so funny yeah i was just like you know what yeah maybe uh maybe he doesn't want to talk to me anymore because uh you know but no i uh that was a, that was a obviously a, an, an awesome conversation but uh yeah maybe, maybe you're just upset because the seahawks are way way better than the dallas cowboys <laughs> are, are, are are we back are, are we uh are, are we recording again we are absolutely back here and uh, we are live on the air and uh across I'm, the I'm world you should legally have to tell me that or else I can sue. <laughs> we are live across the world, live. Absolutely. The greatest <laughs> podcast in the history of the world. Yes. Dallas Cowboys, not as good as the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, well, I mean, embrace debate. Um, I guess uh, I would say that your quarterback might be slightly better than our quarterback. <laughs> and your defense is better than our defense on, as a whole. But I mean, I think our offense as a whole is absolutely freaking mountains ahead of you. Sorry, <laughs> you by you I mean yeah, Seahawks. Yes, of course. That's a hilarious and by our, take. I mean, I mean Dallas Cowboys. Great take. Yeah, the Seahawks offense was terrible last like, uh, six or eight weeks or something like that. But uh, to say that Dallas is better than them with yeah, especially with the non-Dak Prescott led uh, team the last year, the last uh, half of the year, not quite the same. They weren't. They weren't so good, Dallas. They, it was it, last year was a tough year. It was a very tough year to be a Dallas Cowboys fan. Uh, and for the good listener, uh, I am a Dallas Cowboys fan, for better or worse. And the Cowboys, or sorry, the, the Seahawks have gotten the better of us before. I mean, just as soon as we're talking about Seahawks Cowboys, in my mind just obviously goes back to Tony Romo fumbling that snap, which uh, is another, you know, that's why I'm allowed to say our when I'm talking with the Dallas Cowboys, because I I lived through that heartache. Great memory, yeah. Oh, it is fumbled by Romo, and then Romo's going to run to the end zone, and he's going to get tackled by Jordan Babineau. Amazing. Unbelievable! I remember where I was. People. I remember sitting sitting on the couch, and I'm dad's to the left of me, and we are watching this and just super excited to go to overtime. And then all of a sudden, that happens, and uh, yeah, it was just disbelief. <laughs> and then, and well, we kind of ran through all the stages of grief, right? Like you, you have the uh, and all the stages, but you know, at one point we're like, "Well, you know what? He he totally made the first down." <laughs> he almost did big, big, then, big yeah. play. Babs Jordan Babineau's tackling him, but I, I've always said, because uh, I've always been a, a Tony Romo apologist, because I I saw him in preseason with uh, Dallas in like 2006. And I'm like, man, this guy's amazing. Like he's so so good. Like you should make him the the starting quarterback. Not I, I almost think not many athletes or quarterbacks would have. But for, well, first of all, why was he the, as the starting quarterback? Why was he the backup holder? Or, or sorry, why was he the holder for field goals? That seems crazy to me. But also, I'm like, he actually got up right away and, and almost ran for the first down. I think most uh, other players, you know, would have hesitated for that second, 
thinking, yeah. oh, and then and then they would have been tackled. So I think Tony Romo should be getting should be given credit for the fact that he ran for that and almost made that first down. So maybe it's because I'm, oh, I'm absolutely, I, I, yeah, I, I love Tony Romo. Yeah, no, we're same mindset. Tony Romo had like nothing to do with the the absolute failure that play was. I mean, it it, it just he shouldn't have been there. First of all, he's a starting quarterback. You know, he'd be taking the snaps. But uh, yeah, I know. I just sorry. I I don't want to dwell on this, Mike. I just I, I shouldn't even bring it up. Oh, no. just that's where my mind went when dwell you started talking about Cowboys versus Seahawks. So dwell away. Screw I, you I'm, for bringing it up. I'm happy for you to dwell away for the next like four hours. <laughs> well. What we were saying before then was we were talking about how Dak Prescott was out last year, I love it, which was horrible, mm-hmm. and it was a long, long year. Very horrible. I mean, for me as a fan, more horrible for poor Dakota Rain Prescott as he's rehabbing that shattered ankle. But, I mean, I don't know. You're talking about a guy I am super excited to have him locked up at this point because I think he's top five quarterback in the in the NFL right now at worst at worst top 10 quarterback yes yeah at worst top 10 yeah for sure I mean you can begin argue all day about five six seven eight whatever but he's a very 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 good quarterback a phenomenal leader like in locker room like just everyone just thinks the world of this guy so I mean very happy to have him locked in we have like arguably one of the better if not the best receiving core in the NFL. And then, you know, you got Zeke, Zeke and Tony Pollard in the backfield. Like we have just a real good offense and I'm so excited to watch. And then all we did in the draft, cause they're like, okay, you know what? Offense is good. So they just went on like total video game mode and they just drafted every single goddamn player on defense for the entire draft this year. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we'll see how that shakes out. Because that was obviously an area of need. Like when they're like, "Okay, what's what's what were the Cowboys' areas of need?" Somebody just like motioned towards like a big like D on the side, like ah, just defense. That that that's their area of need. Right. So they just like drafted everyone on defense, which we'll see who comes up. Uh, Rosens and you know who uh, doesn't really make the bill, but at least you know they got a lot of guys. That they picked up, and we'll see. We'll see who sticks. Well, absolutely. No, I'm very excited. Obviously, I, I tweeted out, uh, you know, last week uh, weekend the fact that like I love NFL preseason because it's just cool to see the um, you know the uh, incoming rookie class, draft class, and then of course the undrafted free agents. And the bonus of that is for August the game. There's no actual. Who cares about who actually wins in the preseason? Obviously, no one gives a crap. So it's it's very nice to watch football uh, stress free. We don't where you don't actually care who wins a game because of course every single regular season game and playoff game, obviously, at least for me anyway, I'm you know very very much you know stressed and a ball of energy you know trying to you know hopefully Seattle wins for me. So I love preseason games. So we're get, getting very very close to that, which I'm very excited about. So, uh, but no, I've always been a Dallas Cowboy fan, and like I said, I saw Romo years ago in preseason against Seattle, and I loved him. I saw Dak Prescott when the Romo got injured in the preseason against Seattle, and that's when Dak Prescott came in. I'm like, this this guy's really good too. So, I definitely pull for them. Not too much, of course, because they're in the same uh, conference. But uh, I know I do pull for Dak Prescott. But several Dallas Cowboy fans, including some uh, former 
past guests on this show who, um, of course, you know, hate Dak Prescott, which is just so weird to me. Like, you know, once you have a, it's so hard to find a quarterback in the NFL. And yes, he's not obviously a top two quarterback, but obviously how many teams have a top two quarterback? It's very, very difficult, you know. So uh, it's, you know, oh, we could easily replace him. You know how hard it is to replace a quarterback? Miami Dolphins, Detroit Lions, the Chicago Bears. There's so many teams, uh, even the Dallas Cowboys for many yeah. years there. It's so hard to replace a quarterback. So just be like, oh, we could easily get rid of this guy and find someone else. It's not easy. So I think in Dak Prescott, they have a really good quarterback. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. And uh, I I open, it's an open invitation to uh, the, uh, what do we say? Was it the, the mush in the bush? Whatever it is. I will fight any, 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 any uh, takers that say that Dak Prescott is not a top 10 quarterback. Because, I mean, I don't know, this guy, he's, he's shown like every year he's been in. And, I mean, people can... Uh, you know, point to him being like a lot of his stats being garbage time or like whatever else. But I mean, if you take a closer look, he's just, I don't know. He, he is what he is. He's, uh, he, he comes through in the clutch. He's, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. He, he has a lot of weapons this year as well. I mean, they're going to make him look very good. Uh, you know, we take those weapons away. And then it's just all on him. I mean, you could have the discussion again. If he's a good, you know, if he can make other players great, or if he is great because he has a phenomenal surrounding cast, that's a totally different argument. But I mean, based on what he has around him and what he's shown so far, I mean, this guy, I'm very excited to have him signed with the Cowboys long term. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what they're going to do this year. Because I mean, sky's the limit offensively, it's defense is good going to be what's potentially going to kill us or kill kill us kill them however you want to say it but uh i am cautiously optimistic as we sign off here this is what i would say so you know undercard for the, the boxing matches before you and i fight for the fire and iron prayer or whatever the hell the boxing matches the the mush in the bush whatever the hell you said before which was great you fight all Dallas Cowboy fans, Spiros Karanakis, Costa Karanakis, some, uh, Peter Panay, some former uh, podcast guests on the show. You fight them as the undercard about the fact that they hate Tony, oh, sorry, um, Dak Prescott. Then you're so tired that you fight me and, you're, and you, you're, you can't do it because you're so tired. And then I, then I defeat you. Well, thank you so much. It's been a, a blast, of course, uh, on this podcast, episode 69 of the H-Dog Pod. Thank you so much, uh, Derek, for the uh, conversation. <laughs> very happy to be on thanks for having me mike that was a blast talking to my great friend not my best friend that's pretty clear derek stashik i love so much that as a sense fan he wants misery to be inflicted on the leafs not because i want that to happen because i'm a leafs fan but i respect his passion for the senators and therefore how he hates their bitter rivals you can't have more than one favorite team that just isn't allowed it's preposterous good word it was great catching up to reminisce about the classic boxing matches we had and who knows Perhaps a comeback fight is in the cards, the static in the attic, or the mush in the bush, as he suggested. It's funny how I was no skates Harrison in high school, and I also questioned just what the hell I was thinking wearing winter boots to a basketball team tryout in grade 7. Always fun to look back on old memories with the great lad from the Ottawa Valley, Derek Stashik, in a special After Dark edition, where we may have decided to have more than one favorite drink. Thank you for listening to this nice episode 69 edition of the H-Dog Pod. Bang. This has been the H Dog Pod with your host, Michael the Hound Dog Harrison. Bang. 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 Bing. 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 Bing.
I was positive, like, uh, like spoiler alert, I am not a, uh, I don't listen to your podcast every single week, so I thought you already had the 69th episode. Wow, so okay, that's the end of the episode, uh, we're done, um, bye. <laughs> yeah, thanks, thanks for coming out.